sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, Joe P. Zapia. And welcome to Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. It is me, it is the Eric Young, and it's you. And we're taking you through two hours of fantasy sports goodness right here on SportsGrid. And I got to say, I'm a little fired up today. I don't know why. I don't know, something extra in my coffee or uh, I don't know, it was the Clark Griswold mug that I was drinking it out of. But I am fired up. I got a lot of feelings, as the kids like to say, Eric, all the feels. I got them all. We got a great show for everybody today. We're obviously going to do fantasy football stuff. We've got uh, the great Benny Ricciardi joining us for four downs. We're going to talk with him about some of these spreads and what's going on and his little takes on some of these games that really do matter. We've got a lot of guys who are out, including possibly a head coach. We've even got some NHL talk where I'm going to try my best, Eric, not to embarrass myself by pronouncing some of these names. Good morning. Good afternoon. Eric Young, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, man. Fantasy sports is, is alive and well. Uh, we got DFS football. We've got, you know, people that, that follow the NBA. I am not one of those. You got that in full swing. Hockey is coming. 2021 is almost here. Goodbye, 2020. I will not miss you. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly right. And look, if we have Eric here with us, it's silly not to at least get some of his hockey knowledge. For those of you out there who do want to play some wagers, or if you know nothing about hockey, and you want to put something on this season, maybe you'll start caring about it a little bit. That's that's what we do here. But let's start with some of the headlines. And uh, clearly, it's not quite confirmed yet. No one's told Adam Gase, even though this might be the biggest foregone conclusion in the football world. But it seems as though Craig Carton and some other people around that New York area are confirming that Adam Gase will indeed be let go from his duties following this Sunday's action against the New England Patriots. And not that anyone should be surprised about this. But uh, it's funny that Adam Gase is saying, well, no one told me. Well, you know, I, I think you should probably have a good feeling that's going to happen when you win two games. Uh, also, some uh, news we kind of touched on uh, yesterday. Uh, wide receiver from Alabama, Devontae Smith, wins NCAA AP Player of the Year. Uh, he is going to be an immediate impact kind of guy in fantasy football circles next year. And Eric, as we've seen uh, the folks who have come in this season those guys who have made rookie impacts are just innumerable this year. There's so many names, and uh, whether it be the top of the board guys, you know, like T. Higgins and Justin Jefferson, and those guys who have gotten it done, or C.D. Lamb, and then there's been that other tier that starts to show a little bit of promise as well. Uh, I imagine that Smith is going to be right in that conversation next year, and I think based off of what we saw this year, depending on where he lands, he's going to be a fantasy asset right from the jump. What do you think about him? Yeah, it's exciting. It's this is uh, we're witnessing history. Is we used to have to wait for for these rookies to to solidify a role in the NFL. That's not happening anymore. There's too much money on the line, and, and time is of the essence. We used to have to wait for quarterbacks. You know, sometimes two to three years, tight ends three to four years, wide receivers two to three years, and running backs usually a year or two. It, that's not happening. It's 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 they're they're being drafted. They're playing in pro style offenses in the in the college game. And they're being thrust right into action. Listen, if the wide receivers from this year with a shortened, condensed training camp, basically no training camp, um, and, and just a crazy kind of offseason can be this good, then 
any college player coming in and should be ready to play. Uh, you know, I, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule, but it's exciting to see, you know, you, as a fan, you, I follow the draft closely as a fantasy manager, a dynasty guy, you, you got to know these players coming in and it's cool that you don't have to wait and wait for these guys sitting and rotting on your bench to perform. Yeah, and as we welcome in our radio audience here to Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid, we're talking about that wide receiver class and Devontae Smith being part of next year's. And I can tell you everything Eric just said is right. I'll reiterate it too for those just joining us that, you know, this class was incredible this year without OTAs, without a preseason, what they were able to do. I thought they'd be overrated a little bit. Couldn't have been more wrong. Now, gratefully, if you took shots on guys later like Jefferson instead of early shots on guys like Judy, then you did much better. Uh, some more headlines to get to from the NBA. Bad news. Uh, John Mormont uh, is going to be out for three to five weeks with an ankle injury. That's uh, John Moran's going to be out for a while. I mean, this is at least a, a month injury, maybe even more, depending on how things go here. So uh, certainly bad news there in the NBA front. Uh, Cooper Cup placed on the COVID list, so he will be inactive this week. So the Rams are falling apart at the seams. James Robinson officially ruled out for Week 17 as well. Also, Dalvin Cook, we just heard, was uh, going to also be ruled out. So that's breaking news as well. That just came across a little while ago. Great job there by Chris and Danny and the team to get this up here. But uh, no Dalvin Cook, a personal family issue so won't be on your dfs slate won't be on ours and uh hopefully you're not playing your championships in week 17 i don't know how many times i have to say this what are you doing don't do those kind of things it's no way no win situation and also you had the cheese it bowl last night which i know everybody was following very closely there and you can see the score in the cheese it bowl there oklahoma state 37 to 34 over miami miami had a chance to win this game there at the end or at least tie it up they really screwed up with some bad looks there. Derek King got hurt in this game, unfortunately, too, for Miami, but they were able to stay in this game. It was very entertaining, lots of high scoring, and lots of fun stuff going on there, which brings to mind, too, some pretty dumb names when it comes to bowls. Like I know these kids are so proud to be playing in a bowl game, but can you imagine sitting back and telling your, your kids and your grandkids, hey, I, I played in the Cheez-It Bowl. Uh, I was a big deal. I have to think that the worst bowl name would be the Easy Squirt Bowl. Remember those that Heinz ketchup thing where they had the Easy Squirt bottle? The Easy Squirt Bowl sounds just like a thing that you just want to stay away from at a party. How about you? Do you have any any bowl names that you want to stay away from? If I could name my own, it would be the Taco Bell Crunch Wrap Supreme Bowl. And that's because <laughs> that, as, a, as a newly acquired vegetarian, I can still get drunk and eat Taco Bell because they put black beans on anything that you want. So that's that's my choice. Look at that. Look at that. See, you learn things on this show. See, these are important things. Not only you put stuff about Eric, but stuff about me and stuff about sports. We'll be right back with more sports-related stuff in NHL right after this. Don't go anywhere. Line up, ladies! The early line. Rogers Mahal. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Now, as I teased yesterday on the program on Fantasy Sports Today, which you should have been watching, but if you weren't, that's okay. 
You can always check it out on demand. We were going to talk a little NHL because we had Canadian icon with us, Eric Young, and he is a great fantasy hockey guy. Contributed to the fantasy hockey black book last year. We weren't able to do one this year, unfortunately, because of the timing of NBA and NHL and MLB, everything kind of happening at once right now, starting up. But uh, next year, hopefully, we'll get back to that. So I have gotten tweets about it, believe it or not, Eric. And people are saying, are you doing the hockey book again? And unfortunately, no, not this year. But stay tuned. Don't worry. 2021, hopefully, will bring an easier schedule for all of us. But since we've got some FanDuel wagers on the board for the NHL coming into this uh, 2020 season or 2021 season, as it were, we figured we would pick his brain about it. So we're going to open that big brain of Eric Young's. And we're going to talk a little hockey here. And we're going to start with. The Hart Trophy. For those of you who don't know, that's the MVP. And I will do my best not to embarrass myself with some of the names on this list. No promises. No promises. So let's start here with the Hart Trophy and the odds on FanDuel. We've got Connor McDavid, obviously, at plus 460. He is leading candidate coming into the season. Uh, Nathan McKinnon at plus 6. We have Panarin at 10-1. to 1. And then we have uh, Leon Dreisaitl at 12-1. to 1. And then you've got three guys out there left. Austin Matthews, Braden Point, and uh, Andre Valasevsky at uh, plus 1500. So when you go through here and you're looking, obviously it's a little tougher for the goaltender to win this award because the goaltender has their own award, but is it just as simple as Connor McDavid this year? Or do you think there's a dark horse candidate out there that could actually be a better wager going into 2021? I mean, Connor McDavid, I think, I mean, obviously looking at these odds, he's the favorite to win it. But I mean, anybody that knows, you know, gambling and, 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 and betting on stuff like this, you're not going to make any money betting on Connor McDavid to, to win it. I mean, it's most likely going to be him. Um, as far as this list goes, I think Austin Matthews, um, he was uh, was on a wicked goal-scoring spree last year. Um, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be even better this year. And because of injury, he missed some games. In a shortened season like this, I think he probably plays all the games. And he's. I think he's going to be the the points leader this year um, and in turn will win the Hart Trophy. So that would be my bet. There's some guys like way off the board that, that you could go with. But I mean, for me, I think Austin Matthews with decent odds is the best bet to win it this year. Okay. So uh, what does it take for a goaltender to win this award? Because Vasilevsky, obviously the best in the business, he is going to be the guy at the top of the list in the next segment. So what does it take for a goaltender to win a Hart Trophy nowadays? Because it seems like a very difficult thing. Yeah, it hasn't happened for years. It has happened in the past goalies. Uh, I think Carey Price was the last one to win it. He won the Vesna and the Hart Trophy uh, because he was, you know, of, above and beyond. So mm-hmm. often these guys like uh, Andre Vasilevsky plays on the Tampa Bay Lightning, who won the Stanley Cup this past year. They are still loaded. Somehow they fan- managed to figure out how to get all the players to come back. Mostly that's due to uh, Nikita Kucherov being on. Uh, LTIR, and um, they were able to fit all the players back in under the salary cap, which is absolutely amazing because the salary cap was supposed to go up and it did not. It it stayed flat uh, because of COVID, because of no fans in the stand, stands. The NHL relies on, on the gate and people being in there to, to pay the bills, and obviously that's not happening. It didn't happen um, for half of the season last year or the entire playoffs, and that's a big blow financially for these teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would never bet on a goalie winning it. It's so rare um, him winning it. I mean, even if he is the best player on the team, he's not going to get credit for it because people will look at the team in front of him and be like, oh, well, he's good. And he's winning games and getting shouts, shutouts and has good goals against average because of the team in front of him. It has to be a goalie on a middle of the road team that is just 
above and beyond everybody. Gotcha. I mean, not saying that it won't happen, but it could. Now, in terms of Conor McDavid being at the top of the board, obviously he is the leader. Is there something to be said about a bigger wager on him at some of that, that four and a half to odds sort of situation there? Do you think that that's actually a way to go? Maybe if it is indeed a foregone conclusion, sometimes like we look at the board, and we see Patrick Mahomes in the NFL, just to make an equation here. Do you think a larger wager on McDavid with smaller odds, or do you think Matthews maybe smaller wager with bigger odds is the way to go? Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, it depends on your purse. You know I mean, it depends on, mm-hmm. on how much money you have to put up. I mean, for me, if I was going to to bet money and you had to, you know, you had to put a certain amount on someone winning it this year, I'm betting Connor McDavid wins it. You know what I mean? I, I, I myself don't have a ton of money to make a bunch of money later. So I would go with Austin Matthews because I think he has just as good a chance, a shortened season. Uh, young player, I think, you know, the Maple Leafs are a, a much better team than the Edmonton Oilers. He's going to play with, with better players. Uh, that's not saying that Connor McDavid isn't going to be playing with good players, played a lot of the year with Leon Dreisaitl, but I think the Edmonton Oilers are going to want to split those guys up. Um, Connor McDavid is the best player in the NHL, the best offensive player for sure. There's no doubt about that. But Austin Matthews is right there. My bet, I mean, if you were to say who's going to win it, I say Connor McDavid. But if I'm placing money on it, I'm going with Austin Matthews. Yeah, maybe do both. Hedge a little bit. Who knows? Maybe things work out for you. Let's look at the Vesna Trophy uh, for top goaltender. We had Vasilevsky obviously at the top at six to one, then Hellebuck at seven to one. We have Price at 10 to 1 along with Carter Hart at 10 to 1. So which of these guys sticks out to you as the wager you think you feel most comfortable with or where you can make the most cash? Because 6 to 1 is actually, you know, actually surprising. I thought it might be a, a little bit lower odds to tell you the truth. I, I like Carter Hart here. That would be my pick. I, I, I think the Philadelphia Flyers in the division, their divisions are all scrambled and and, and messed up. I think that is the, a division for the taking for the Philadelphia Flyers. They came on hot last year, and Carter Hart is maybe the best goalie to play there in 20-plus years. I wrote about him last last year and how if you were starting a dynasty, this is, should be your goalie. He's, he's broken records in the OHL and, and in the minor leagues. Phillips is a starting goalie. There's no doubt about it. Uh, so that would be my pick. I think Carter Hart has a very good chance to win it. The way he looked last year and going into the playoffs, uh, if they can continue that success. Um, and the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, they've got their full team back along with some guys that were injured. So, yeah, that's my, that's my pick to win it. All right, let's go a little Rookie of the Year award here, too, in the NHL and see if we can get uh, Eric's thoughts on where you want to place your wagers coming into the season. We have Alexis Lafreniere as the front runner at plus 250, then uh, Shesterkin at plus 350, and then Kaprizov at plus 400. So how would you approach this one for Rookie of the Year, Eric? I mean, Lafreniere is the number one pick this year. Uh, he's got everything, size, speed, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, people are betting on him being a generational type player, a Connor McDavid, a uh, Sidney Crosby style player for the New York Rangers for several years. Um, I, I don't think he's going to play high enough up the lineup. I don't think he's going to play play time to, to win the, the Vezina. I think uh, Kirill Kaprasov is very interesting, is an absolute stud and has broken a bunch of records, was a scoring leader in the KHL last year. The Minnesota 
wild. They've been trying to get this guy to come over for several years. Now he's been under contract with them, but has stayed and remained in Russia. He decided that this was the year to come over. Uh, anything can happen in a shortened season like this with very little training camp. Everyone is going to be on equal footing. And he is a rookie in the NHL, but has been playing professional hockey for several years. So the speed of the game, the, the size of the players, um, the systems and stuff like that, this is a, a guy that's been playing against men for a long time. Uh, Lafreniere is, is been playing against younger players, um, not a pro player, um, very good player, for, no doubt about it, probably better than Kaprasov. But I mean, for me, rookie of the year, Kill Kaprasov could be the guy this year. What was the biggest off-season move in the NHL this year with the shortened season do you think is going to have the biggest impact? I mean, the biggest for me is just the fact that the salary cap stayed flat. And, and like I was talking mm. to earlier, everyone thought that the Tampa Bay Lightning, last year's favorite, cup winner from last year, uh, a mega power. I mean, just an unbelievable team in the salary cap era uh, with – who they have. I mean, the depth is unbelievable. They have arguably the uh, the best goalie, if not top three goalies in the league. And for you to not pick them to win it again this year would be silly because of the moves they were able to make in the offseason. The big one was it was coming down to it where Kucherov had to be uh, had to go on LATI for the whole season and might be back for the playoffs. And that f freed up a bunch of cap room for him. They were able to keep all their players. All right, great stuff there. Again, you can place all these wagers over on FanDuel for the NHL odds, and hopefully we'll talk more hockey with Eric Young again very soon. In the meantime, a little four downs, a little football with Benny Ricciardi. We'll be right back right after this on Fantasy Sports Today. racing the clock's running out it all comes to sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com hey right here on sports grid and if you're wondering why our good friend Benny Ricciardi from Fade the Noise has a big grinchy smile upon his face. It's because we're getting closer to the end of the Adam Gase saga with the New York Jets. It's funny, Benny. They've won two games in a row, and now they fire the coach. I, I can't figure out the Jets. I'm not even going to bother trying. But uh, I will say this. I can tell just from everything emanating from your face right now, there's a sense of relief, yeah. joy. Yeah. I mean, it feels like 2021 is just going to be a good year for you, Benny. I, I mean, I don't think it could be any worse, but I'm going to be honest. Like you said, I can't even stop smiling right now. I'm so happy. That's how happy I am that the Jets are getting rid of Adam Gates. There are quite a few reports out that this is something that's going on. Literally, as we speak, I hope he doesn't even coach this weekend because I've seen enough already. But, uh, yeah, this is going to be a good thing, Joey. So I'm going to be happy. And I'm going to make a call right here. The intelligent thing for the Jets to do, I know they don't listen to me, but if they did, Go get Eric the enemy right now as the Jets' next head coach, please. Yeah, hey, look, certainly a guy, a, a top candidate's out there, there's no doubt. I'm sorry you probably lost Trevor Lawrence, but um, I know also Benny has a lot of thoughts about taking that draft pick and getting a whole lot more things, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I, I think it's an interesting take, and I certainly think now that you're not number one, it's a take that they should listen. They should just hire you. I mean, at the end of the day, really, the Jets, they're still time we have a whole new decade a fresh set a decade a fresh coach for you we'll see what happens but let's talk about week 17 
There's all games out there. So we got four downs with Benny to break down these games for us. So they have wagering implications, fantasy implications, and of course, uh, implications on the NFL playoffs. So let's start with the Washington football team. They're one and a half point favorites uh, over the Philadelphia Eagles. They'll be traveling to uh, Philadelphia for this game. The number's 42 and a half. So Washington football team looks like they're probably going to have Alex Smith, the quarterback, after the whole Haskins fiasco. Uh, the Eagles look like, you know, clearly they, they had that little spark there, but then that spark kind of faded away with Jalen Hurts. So do you think Washington has enough here, because it's practically a pick em here, to finish out and close out this division? Yeah, I do. And the Alex Smith news is the thing I've been waiting on. So I'm real happy that he's very likely to be here. But Alex Smith, as their quarterback, they should be favored by at least a point and a half, if not up to three points in this game, depending on how bad you think Dwayne Haskins was that, you know, you actually give them negative points for him being their quarterback. With Alex Smith in, uh, they have averaged 28 points per game. Without Alex Smith in, whether it be Haskins or Taylor Heineke or whoever else they had quarterbacking at various times this year, they've only averaged 18 points per game. So not only do I like the Redskins to win now that Alex Smith is likely to be in, I also like the over in this game as they're averaging 10 more points with him as their quarterback. Now, real quick, I just want to get your take on the Eagles, too. Do you think the Eagles scenario going through next year is, look, find somebody to take Carson Wentz. You'll work something out because at the end of the day, these things always find a way to work themselves out. Do you go forward with Jalen Hurts and just clean house? Or do you do you just kind of try to retool a little bit? Because it seems like the Eagles are in a weird place going forward. I would think the move that they want to make at this point is to get rid of Carson Wentz. The problem is Carson Wentz is owed a lot of money, so it's not going to be easy for you to find somebody to take him or get anything even remotely close to what his actual value is in return. It's the same problem that I have with the Jets when everybody's like, oh, they're going to take Trevor Lawrence or you know, now they're going to take Josh Fields with the number two pick here. You're not going to trade Sam Darnold for anywhere near what Sam Darnold is actually worth at this point in time. So quarterbacks are very tough to trade that way. It's very easy to trade a backup quarterback. It's not very easy to trade one of these guys that's a starter and has a starter contract unless there's a team that has the cap room and is really looking for him. And again, if the guy was so good, why would you be trading him in the first place? So there's always a lot of risk with these deals. I think this is what the Eagles would like to do. Whether or not they're going to be able to pull it off is another question. All right, let's move on to the second game here on the four downs, and that's the Dallas Cowboys, who are three-point favorites on the road against the New York Giants. Now, the Cowboys are on a little win streak here, took care of business last week against the Eagles. They beat Cincinnati. They beat San Francisco. So three games in a row here. I don't want to jinx it for the Cowboys, but they are definitely playing their best football since Dak Prescott went down. The question is, is Andy Dalton got another game in him the way he had last week? And look, the Giants played admirably this year, Benny. I think you and I would both agree, but they definitely feel like they have just kind of hit the wall, run out of gas, whatever metaphor you want to use. So the number's 44 and a half. The Dallas Cowboys are three-point favorites here. Do you think this line is correct? And do you think, indeed, that the Dallas Cowboys, again, will do what they have to do at least to stay in this mix? Yeah, I mean, I have the Dallas Cowboys. My numbers have the Cowboys favored by two in this game. So I agree that the Cowboys need to be favored. And it's interesting because if Washington loses this game, then the winner of this game will actually wind up winning the NFC East. So both of these teams have a path to wind up as the team making the playoffs, assuming that Washington loses, which is why we started with that on first down, because if Washington wins, it really doesn't matter what happens here. But here's the big thing in this game for me, Joe, is with Andy Dalton, the offense in Dallas looks a lot more proficient than they did when they had all these other guys they were trying to right. throw in there at quarterback. The problem with the Giants is the Giants actually have the fewest touchdowns in the league this year of any team. The second worst team is actually my New York Jets. Now, I've watched a lot of Jet games, and we don't score a lot of touchdowns, 
So when I found out the Giants have even less than we do, that's not a good thing. And I think that's going to be the key to this game right here is with Andy Dalton at quarterback and with all the weapons that they have in that team, I think Dallas is going to be able to put up 21, 28 points. I don't see how the Giants get there. I love the Giants defense. Like you said, they played admirably this year. I just don't think they're going to have enough to get it done. And Washington's going to win anyway, so I don't even think this game's really going to matter. What do the Giants do next year? You think they just continue to press forward with Daniel Jones? Because, I mean, I think that's that's kind of what you should do and, and see what happens when he gets Saquon Barkley healthy. Now, I know that sounds really good theoretically, and then last year you had Daniel Jones take over, and there were times where Saquon was there. It was good. When he wasn't there, it was bad. It feels like that line did play better this year. They did make some better additions. I feel like the Giants just need to stay the course and not get too crazy and just continue to build because I actually think they're on to something here. What do you think about the Giants next year? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think they have solid skill position players, and I don't think that Daniel Jones is a bad quarterback. Mm-hmm. What I would really like to see them do in the offseason is beef up that offensive line a little more, make that right. offensive line better because that's the quarterback's best friend. If you can mm-hmm. give a guy time in there, he's going to be able to find those guys. And with all the weapons they have, those guys are going to be able to make plays when he does find them. So maybe doing a little retooling to the skill positions. I think Evan Ingram is somebody who, if I'm not mistaken, is in the last year of his contract, and he might be able to walk. And then beef up the offensive line. you got a couple good young offensive linemen this year. Add a few more, maybe grab a guy in free agency. If you can get that line to be a top 10 offensive line in the league, I think the rest of it will take care of itself and don't do anything on defense. Like I said, the defense is really, really good for them. So I would be looking on the offensive side of the ball, most likely the line as the, uh, the thing that could give them the biggest boosts. All right. Now the Steelers took care of their business last week with a great comeback in the second half. So big Ben's going to take an extra week off and uh, get right. And Mason Rudolph's going to be starting against the Cleveland Browns who look anything but good after a loss to the jets. I, I can't even imagine the expletives that came out of your mouth after winning a second game last week for the New York Jets. But look, uh, Baker Mayfield looks shook after this game. And, and I and I think that that's a totally accurate way to describe him. Now, the Browns are nine and a half point favorites in this one because of obviously Big Ben sitting. Is that too much, though? Are we giving, you know, perhaps the Browns too much credit here considering all the COVID issues with the players in the line, the wide receivers and the linebackers and where the mental state of Baker Mayfield is right now? I'm going to say yes and no, because here's the deal. Well, that's a terrible answer. You can't say yes and no. All right. All right. Okay, go ahead. If it was just Ben Roethlisberger sitting, I would say that's way too many points. Like if this was week 10 and Ben Roethlisberger got hurt the week before and you had the entire Steelers team playing minus Ben Roethlisberger, then this game is way, 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 way too many points. With everybody playing, including Roethlisberger, I would actually only have this as Steelers favored by maybe one or two points. But it's more than just Roethlisberger that's going to sit. Some of the guys in the defense are going to get less snaps than they normally do. Some of the guys in the offense may not even see, if they play at all, may not even see a lot of snaps in the second half. So really what you're saying is this is the Cleveland Browns who are 10-5 and and need this win to make the playoffs against the Pittsburgh Steelers' bottom half of the roster. The Cleveland Browns, even with a bunch of guys banged up because of COVID, and you know we don't even know the status of all these guys at this point, should still have enough to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers' second unit here, which is why this number is so high. Now, as a gambler, I have zero desire to take this number because we don't really know how this is going to go. We don't know how bad the Steelers' second unit is. I'm not somebody who sits there in the preseason and charts every single snap of you know your third left tackle on the team and how they do against the other team's right. first team defense if they happen to be in there. There are guys that do that stuff, and you know what? More power to them. 
those would be the guys you should listen to this week. The other 16 weeks of the NFL season, when games are actually going on in the playoffs, that's when you listen. <laughs> All right, well, let's see what this guy has to say on fourth down here. Let's do Tennessee at Houston. Now, Houston was embarrassed. I know we got a couple minutes here, but uh, look, the Texans are uh, seven and a half point dogs here in this game. They're at home. JJ Watt read everybody the riot act. The number's 56. So can Tennessee bounce back from a tough loss there in the winter snowstorm in Green Bay and take care of business here? Yeah, they're going to have to. I mean, so let's go through this real quick, Joe. There are five teams right now in the AFC that are 10 and five. One of them is the Browns, who we talked about against the Steelers. About a 10-point favorite right now is what they're up to. They should win that game. There's only four spots for these five teams, so one of them is going to be out. Right now, the Colts are on the outside looking in. Right. Miami plays Buffalo, and that line just got taken down, so there's a good chance that Buffalo either announced or is announcing that they're going to be sitting some of their players too. So now that's two spots that are down if you assume Cleveland and Miami move on. The other three games, you have Baltimore playing Cincy. Baltimore's like a 12-point favorite in that game. So they should win and move on. And then you have Indianapolis playing Jacksonville. Indy's a 14-point favorite. But remember, Indy's on the bubble looking in at Tennessee. So the game that's going to matter the most for who makes the playoffs this week is going to be Tennessee against the Texans. And frankly, I think Tennessee's going to win this game and do it rather easily. Houston has been bad on offense. They've been bad on defense this year. J.J. Watt was right. This team is just not good right now. So when you look at this game, Maybe Tennessee doesn't cover the seven and a half, but I got to be honest, I would be fine laying seven and a half points with Tennessee here. I think they win and take care of business by two or three touchdowns, wind up taking the last division, the AFC South, they get the win, and moving on to the playoffs and sending the Indianapolis home. No, there you have it. And if you want to see what a kid at Christmas looks like, Take a good look at Benny's face right now without Adam Gase potentially coaching the Jets anymore. I mean, it's a foregone conclusion, but it's still it's still a nice thing to end on a high note. All right, go follow Benny on Twitter at BennyR11 and check him out at Fade in the Noise. We'll be right back with more fantasy sports today, right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. Joe Pizapia, the Eric Young, talking fantasy football and... We've got uh, our series recapping the year in fantasy football and where guys ended up. Yesterday, we talked about the quarterback position. We had a lot of great insight based on where the finishers were this year and what that might mean for 2021 going through. And obviously, with the running back position, this top 12 probably does not look like you thought it would. There's a lot of big names that are missing from this top 10 and top 12, whatever you want to call it. But alas, this tells the tale of what the season was in 2020. And uh, hopefully in 2021, we'll get some of these names that will kind of show back up. But let's start with where these guys have finished in the top of the board right now as we head into week 17, which basically, once again, is the end here of the fantasy season. So whatever happens in week 17 is just kind of bonus points. But let's talk about the reality points in our fantasy, and that is Alvin Kamara with that six-touchdown day. Put him over at the top. And this is uh, three years in a row here of a very steady Alvin Kamara. Now, the problem with Kamara this year is that he had a a fair amount of points in bunches. 
you know, the consistency level sometimes was a little hit and miss. Now, you can attribute that to the Taysom Hill situation, that kind of hurting him for a few weeks there. But 377, that's where he is at the top of the board. Then Dalvin Cook, who's not going to play this week, this will be his final number, is 337. So a 40-point gap between the two of these guys, one and two. And then, of course, our guy, Derrick Henry, because there's no bigger marks for Derrick Henry out there than Derrick Young and me, Joe Pizapia. He is at 298. And again, this is PPR scoring. So if you adjust these things a little bit for half PPR or standard, a little bit different in terms of the one, two, three. But nonetheless, Derrick Henry right up there yet again, just like he was last year. Uh, he's starting to feel like the safest investment at the top, Eric. And I will ask you this question, and I want to know your thoughts on it. Do you think going into next year, Derrick Henry is, again, the safest pick on the board at the top at running back because, yes, Alvin Kamara is a fantastic talent, but there's some questions about what that quarterback situation will be, and if there is a change, what does this offense look like? Dalvin Cook, stunning performance this year, all-world, but once again did miss a game or two, actually, because he came out of one, and we know he has a track record of missing games. We know what happened with Saquon and CMC this year, so I'll put it to you. Do you think Derrick Henry should be in that discussion because – a lot of people still don't put him there, and I think they're just getting it wrong. Um, he's been in the discussion for the last three years for me, and people wanted to make fun of me. Uh, I would say, who's laughing now? Is I had him ranked as the number three running back this year, and, well, look at where he's at, number three. Mm. So, I mean, to me, he is a safe bet because the reality is the offense flows through Derrick Henry. Um, we saw, I mean, it looks like Taysom Hill is going to be the quarterback if Drew Brees retires. It looks like Taysom Hill is going to be the quarterback. That's going to affect Alvin Kamara's production. I, I don't care what anyone says. Uh, they just don't throw the ball enough for him to, uh, you know, acquire those PPR points. Dalvin Cook is, I mean, look, at, I mean, he's an unbelievable running back, but he's fragile. I mean, he, I don't think he's played a full season ever. Uh, and I don't think next year is going to be any different. He carried the ball a ton this year, um, was injured here and there, but this was a very good year to be a Dalvin Cook owner. So, but for me, Henry is going to be probably top 10, um, about three or four. Or, and uh, um, to me, the safest bet on the board, just because you know he's going to carry the ball no matter what. Yeah, I mean, uh, people talk about Ezekiel Elliott this year as being the safe investment at running back. And I would say, well, really, is he, is he safer than Derrick Henry? Because I don't feel like he is. And people get lost in PPR, you know, because Derrick Henry doesn't catch the ball a lot. And I, I want to, like, shake them and continue to remind people, yards are yards. Touchdowns are touchdowns. Is he getting yards? Is he getting usage? Is he getting touchdowns? Is he the focal point of the offense? Are the answers so yes? And I understand, like, all running backs have a window, and, and it all, you know, obviously comes to an end eventually, unless you're Frank Gore, in which case it just goes on forever and ever. But for everybody else, there is that window. I think we're still living in that window. Now, it was great to see Ezekiel Elliott bounce back last week and have a, a very good week, but – he has been persona non grata for the last 10 weeks. It feels like, I mean, ever since Dak went down, this guy's basically disappeared. And I know he's dealt with some injuries too, and he's had a lot of wear and tear, and this will be year five of him. Uh, now, if we go back to this uh, top six here, you'll see James Robinson, a name that nobody thought was going to be there. He's at 250 PPR points on the year, a phenomenal season. One has to be concerned. Is this a one-year wonder, or is it a guy that's going forward and going to be the guy? I have to tell you, with Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback next year, hopefully for the Jacksonville Jaguars, that makes me feel pretty good about Robinson being able to at least be an RB1 again. Now, would I draft him top five? Absolutely not. There's no reason to do that. You're putting too much emphasis out there. However, 
He's probably the story at running back this year in terms of return on investment. This was a guy picked up off the waiver wire. This was a guy that if you drafted very late was probably a late round flyer at best. And to have a guy finish in the top five at RB that way, that's a game changer, a league winner, even though at the end he wasn't there for you in the championship game. He at least got you to the playoffs. So you got to be thrilled with that. Aaron Jones, two years in a row. Man, I can't tell you how many shares Aaron Jones I had this year, Eric, where people did not want to draft him in the like late first, early second round. And I said, look, this was the number two running back in PPR last year. And right behind CMC, it seems like nobody cared. And then he's got a great quarterback. You know, the offense is going to score points. And there he is again, top five. I just don't understand. And Aaron Jones will probably be somewhere else next year. I just don't get this one. Like the, the, the non-love for Aaron Jones. I don't want to say hate just the non-love people just not buying into him was just crazy. And then of course, David Montgomery, who might, might have a chance to leapfrog Aaron Jones here at the end. Uh, he actually could have a chance to even leapfrog James Robinson and end up. Hey, could you believe that if David Montgomery ends up as the, I don't know, number four overall running back this year, what does that mean for next year and his value, Eric? I think it will go up because people are just going to look at where they finished last year. You mean they're not going to uh, take in consideration that, that, I mean, he's had a bunch, especially in PPR, has had a bunch of catches and not come off the field because of the injury to Tariq Cohen. Uh, I believe this would have been a very, very um, different story for David Montgomery if Tariq Cohen w- was playing the whole year. He was obviously, you know, got paid by Chicago. They were going to use them. He was going to figure in an unbelievable pass coucher and route runner. So Montgomery wouldn't have the points. But this is what happens. Tariq Cohen went down and now David Montgomery doesn't come off the field. He's showing real value uh, in all aspects of the game. And this is a big year for David Montgomery. He will obviously be drafted next year way higher than he was this year. But Buyer beware. Tariq Cohen will be back next year. So this would be different. You gotta watch it. You gotta pay attention to situation. And that's why Derrick Henry, to me, is the most important. He's never been a third down guy. He he often never plays in third down. He plays first and second down. And he still touches the ball 25 to 30 times. Like Joe said, it doesn't matter. Yards and touchdowns are points. <laughs> points are points. He doesn't have to catch the ball. To be a top running back, how many times do I have to say it? Derrick Henry is if a top scores running a back touchdown, in the that's six, If he scores a touchdown, that's six, six points. That's your six catches right, that's right there for all those RBs that can't get in the end zone. Hello? Do you hear me now? Yep. It's just crazy. It's just unbelievable. All right, let's go to the next grouping here, uh, number 7 through 12. Jonathan Taylor, incredibly strong finish to the season here. Uh, he is going to be the number seven overall running back in terms of finishing with 214 points. Kareem Hunt, uh, 213. You know, on Fantasy Pros Podcast, I always go on the bold prediction show with Mike Tagliere and Kyle Yates, and my bold prediction was that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt would both finish as RB1s this year in PPR. Well, Kareem Hunt is eight, and right now Nick Chubb is at 13. He's like a point behind Antonio Gibson. So I feel pretty good about that one, and Nick Chubb did miss time. And someone pointed out to me on Twitter, Hey, in a 14-team league, you're right already, and I like that person who pointed that out. Well done, Twitterverse. See, it's all just not negativity. There's some positive things that happen on Twitter. But Kareem Hunt, look, in PPR leagues, has shown up. I know there was a quiet time in there for him, but he's had some moments here towards the end of the stretch, and, and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb have been that offense uh, certainly this season. Josh Jacobs, slow and steady kind of wins the race. I feel like Josh Jacobs is reminiscent of Devonta Freeman with the Falcons where you don't – in those years where he was good, you don't get really excited about having him. 
you just know you can count on him and he's going to probably be there somewhere around the turn and you can get him in and he's an RB1 and it's fine, but it's not winning you a league. It's not spectacular. Then we get Ezekiel Elliott, who drops down all the way from basically number three, number four overall status to number 10. And that big game yesterday, uh, excuse me, yesterday, Sunday, really kind of put him back in that conversation, put him over the 200-point mark. Mike Davis at 206 has been incredible this year without Christian McCaffrey stepping in and carrying that workload. And look at Antonio Gibson, 193. He's had some massive games down the stretch. The guy's been incredible. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, I love his value going into next year. A lot of people are going to be you know, going early for Taylor, and I understand that. But Gibson, to me, shows me that he is starting to get it and it's starting to click. And that's a great thing for this team that I think wants to run the football and play defense. So let's talk about Antonio Gibson and Jonathan Taylor. These are the two rookies that have made it. You don't see Clyde Edwards-Alaire's name, ironically enough. He was drafted as an RB1. You don't see DeAndre Swift. Who'd have thought Robinson Taylor and Antonio Gibson would be the three guys we'd be talking about at the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, Gibson and Taylor both have the skill sets to be top five backs, and that's that's what I believe. I think a lot of this is going to depend on situation and personnel. If J.D. McKissick isn't part of the Washington football team next year, then Gibson's value to me skyrockets because the reality is this guy was a wide receiver in college. Um, he can run routes. He can catch uh you know, passes out of the backfield and will be a massive part of this offense. If McKissick doesn't come back and I don't know what the contract situation is there for him. And I would be lying if I did. I'm just saying if McKissick goes somewhere else or his contract expires, then they let him go. That's Washington saying, we believe in Antonio Gibson and he's not going right. to come off the field. The problem is the same for Jordan, uh, Jonathan Taylor. If, you know, Wilkins is there still messing that up. Um, Naheem Hines is a good back. And I mean, I think maybe might be the fastest guy in the NFL with the ball in his hands, maybe even just as fast or faster than Tariq, uh, than Tyreek Hill. But that that's a messy situation for Jonathan Taylor. You mean there's three backs there that have been figured in. I understand that he's getting the bulk of the carries now, but what happens next year? I, we don't know. I mean, for me, I think I would probably have Gibson higher just because of what I think his situation will be. Mm. He's only got one other guy there competing for carries. Um, but yeah, it's, these guys have all the tools and it was really cool to see, you know, as a guy that, that went in on Gibson this year, not as much on Taylor, but on Gibson, what he transpired. That's exciting as a fantasy owner, you, you know, you make a bet on a guy and then over the course of the year, it starts slow, but you stay with them. And then he starts to deliver. It's a, it's a cool part of fantasy football. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I like what you're saying about Gibson too, and watch this off season carefully when it comes to uh, what the uh, Washington football team does. Uh, you know, Nick Chubb is right on the precipice here of cracking this top 12 and probably will obviously after this week. So Nick Chubb's going to be back into this 12. We assume healthy Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. So some guys are going to get bumped out of here. Is there somebody else that you think is going to crack this top 12 next year? That's not on this board, or is there a player that you think might even fall out of this grouping altogether? I think with Dak Prescott back, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott's going to, to go kind of back to where he was. Like you said, Saquon Barkley will be obviously figured in, CMC as well. But this list is pretty telling. And, I mean, a lot of it just has to do with situation. James Robinson, it's like, okay, so we, we're almost sure that they're going to take that quarterback uh, as their first pick. We're almost sure that he's going to start. And, and, and I'm almost sure that if James Robinson is the running back there with uh, Taylor Lawrence there throwing the ball, he's going to be even 
even better than he was. But all that is going to depend on personnel. If, if they, they don't go out and get a pass catching back or draft another running back, then this is going to be James Robinson's backfield. He barely came off the field this year and next year. Sky's the limit for him. Like he doesn't bust out in anything. He's not super fast. He's not super big. He's not super elusive, but he's kind of good at all of it. And that's what the Jacksonville Jaguars saw. And that's why he doesn't come off the field. He's a, a Swiss army knife. He kind of does everything well, but nothing great. But that's, that's a great kind of tool to have in an offense like that. Sounds like me. It sounds, it sounds reminiscent of me. A great tool. I call similar. that more than one occasion. Very similar. And uh, I think AJ Dillon's a guy to keep an eye on too. How to get used this week in the playoff? Keep an eye on him next year too. All right, we're gonna do a little fancy trivia. When we come back. Stay on the grid for that. We'll be right back right after this. Early line. So I think this market is fascinating. Your your favorite is Anthony Davis, who checked in second last year in this award. Miles Turner. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. And uh, we'll see if our good friend Eric Young can make it two for two in trivia. This trivia has to do with wide receivers again, which is uh, certainly the top of the board, Devontae Adams, who this year became one of other two other guys to ever in the history of the NFL have 16 touchdowns and 100 receptions. Now, typically, you get wide receivers who score touchdowns, and then you get the possession guys that catch 100 balls. But to do both, is a stunning achievement. There's no doubt about that. And we're going to break down the wide receiver position in hour two. So make sure you stay with us here on Sports Grid as we continue our fantasy season recap and fantasy football, looking at where people have finished and what that means possibly for next season. But let's go to the trivia question, Eric Young, and see if you can get it. So it's basically one of these, which one's not like the other. So which player doesn't have a season with 16 touchdowns and 100 receptions? So just to be clear, two of the guys on this list have done that along with Devontae Adams. So they're in a club. They're in a faction. Who is the odd man out? Is the odd man out Randy Moss? Is it Chris Carter? Or is it Jerry Rice, the, the GOAT? So yesterday's answer was Jerry Rice. You got that one right. So what's going on here? Who do you think is the odd man out? Who did not have 100 catches and 16 touchdowns in one season? Yeah, I, I almost believe for sure Randy Moss has done it. I want to believe that Chris Carter, uh, one of the best receivers ever to play the game, has done it as well. And Jerry Rice, I feel... I feel like maybe it's Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice has not done this. 16 touchdowns and 100-plus catches. You are correct. Two for two. Let me tell you, you're putting Craig Mish to shame. I mean, Craig's baby 50-50. You're 100% this week. So leave on a high note. That's what you do. I retire, the I retire after tomorrow. That's it. No more. That's it. No more for you. I mean, there you go. Uh, and, and look, if the fact that Jerry Rice, all-time great, probably the position, always going to argue that, hasn't done that. This just tells you where Devontae Adams is right now this season. That's an incredible achievement where everything just kind of comes together. And Adams has done so well there with Rodgers, especially when they when they get to that red zone and they throw that just quick screen to him and he just makes a move and he goes. I don't want to get too much into the footwork the way Chris Collinsworth did the other night. He was like a Rex Ryan-esque the way he was talking about uh, Devontae Adams' feet over and over again. But I digress. Hour two of Fantasy Sports today. 
coming up right here. Don't go anywhere. Stay on the grid. We'll be right back right after this.